Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Goalmouth Ramble, the weekly football podcast brought to you by myself, Nick, and my two other co-hosts. Firstly, Jacob, how are you today? Hello, very good, thank you. Very good, how are you? Yeah, all right, all right. I'm ex- excited. We've got football, actual football has happened. I say actual mm. football. Yeah. Actual football has been happening for a few weeks in the Football League. So we'll probably get any any Football League fans be shouting at us. So football's been going on for weeks. Um, <laughs> but uh, the Premier League is, has happened and we've actually got Premier League matches to talk about. So I'm excited for that. Um, and of course, as you will all know by now, joining me and Jacob it is Reese. Hello, Reese. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Nick. How, how are you? Any more COVID scares this week, or are you all good? No, I can confirm to anybody. I didn't get anybody send me a DM asking if I was all right after the show last week, so I was a little bit upset by that. Um, but I can confirm it was all it was all uh, all COVID free. So good. I good could to go hear. to the office. Uh, yeah, I could go to the office the next day, and that was lots of fun right (laughs) we have a good show lined up for you today um we're going to have a look back at uh last weekend's action and we've each got um, a storyline that we sort of thought and picked up on of that of last week's action and that we want to talk about we think it's interesting um some positive some not so positive but uh we'll get dive into that um jacob's going to provide his team of the week from last weekend as well uh as well as that we're going to start our um collaborative premier league all-time 11 um so the three of us are going to put forward uh a, com- a contender for each position going position by, by position today is goalkeeper natural place to start um and then we'll put it to you guys to vote after we've after we put our cases forward for our choice um so we're doing the first uh, position of that i said goalkeeper and then we're going to preview uh the upcoming weekend of fixtures uh, as well as a bit of fantasy football action um it is a jam-packed show so uh we will waste no time um in getting into stuff so um looking back at last weekend's action and it was a busy weekend lots of goals um mm. not a lot of sort of var drama which generally i think is a, a good thing i think that sort of kept quite a low profile this week there wasn't uh, any huge um, in miscarriage of justice anywhere that I saw too many fan bases screaming from the rooftops about. Um, <laughs> so that's good. Anytime refereeing and VAR can take a back seat is a thumbs up from me. Um, but there were some storylines and some performances from players and teams that um, have had tongues wagging, shall we say. Um, <laughs> good phrase. Where shall we start? <laughs> um... Should we start uh, with me? Or do you want to go first, Reese? Yeah, I can go first. Um, you can go first. It's not, that, it's not that long. I think everyone knows what I want to talk about this week. Um, I want to say, by the way, I was correct last week with my preview of their kind of season in that I think Man City are in a bad way um, and, and much in a much more tricky way than I think people realise and kind of taken note of because people have given them the free pass of oh the man city the guardiola they're going to be fine but if you think about their previous three competitive fixtures so spurs on the weekend the community shield which i know it's less competitive but it's still a trophy to try to win mm-hmm. and the champions league final they've lost them all one nil and looked pretty abject in all three of them they didn't yeah. particularly test any any of the keepers in those games they're, they're really, really struggling up top. And that's why that this week you've seen you know, stories of them going for Kane 
with everything they've got. And I think I saw the figure today of 127 million, I think, for Kane. Um, but they are desperate for a striker. And I think anyone who is watching these games and watched Spurs at the weekend, I think they've been found out. How they play without a striker is very easy to stop. Because I think Spurs played a very condensed game where they just blocked off the middle of the park and made them go down the outside. And that's not my mm-hmm. city's strength. They like to play through teams and they couldn't do it against Spurs and they struggled. They couldn't create anything. And I think if they don't get a striker, now that you know Chelsea have got Lukaku, man, you have got all these kind of players up top. You've got Liverpool who are going to be scoring goals as always. They're going to be struggling for goals at this point unless they can sort their goal scoring out. And that they can't do that without a proper number nine that Pep can trust. And I'm... I st- I'm going to enjoy this ride as long as I can while Man City are struggling. Until the deadline day in a couple of weeks, the deadline day in a couple of weeks time where Kane's signed in. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I saw a piece on the athletic uh, the last couple of days about how um, Nuno had Spurs set up against Man City Mm. and he adopted an approach that Tuchel did in the Champions League final where they play a really narrow front three and force Man City down the wings, which is something they really, as he said, and then subsequently really struggle with to create chances from because mm-hmm. um, they like their play to flow through the middle through their playmakers like De Bruyne or Grealish when he floats inside this season or um, or Gundogan or somebody like that. So that's something that obviously Tuchel picked up on and was successful in the Champions League with and Nuno obviously picked up on and, and implemented to great effect at the weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Masterclass. It was it was a very impressive performance, and I think I think now that I think Kane is back in training today as well. I I'm now of the belief that Kane is going to stay at Spurs. I don't think Levy will sell him. I don't think he's he's got he's got no need to sell him. Mm. Even if City offer 150 million, we were saying we we were saying today um, between us that what cards has Harry Kane got left to play to Mm. force a move? He's not turned up for training. He's clearly said to higher echelon people high up in the club that he wants to leave. And now he's back at training and everybody knows he wants to leave. But what other card does he have to play? Exactly. He's got a contract for another three years. He could go the the William Gallas approach and threaten own goals if he doesn't get his transfer, <laughs> which would be very funny. But I don't think do you do that. Where do you stand on Kane at the minute, Jake? Um, are you um, warming to the idea of him staying now, day by day? or I think the result at the weekend was perfect for, for us because it shows that, well, I know it's not the indicator of the full season, but we don't need Kane. We don't rely on him ma- that much, as much as people think. We can win without him, and that was a a massive game to win without your star man. Mm. And I think it worked perfectly for us in the sense that City now look like they desperately need someone like Kane so we can we can push the price up we don't need to sell we're not you know we're we're in the perfect position as you said Daniel Levy now is in the position where he can just say well you're in contract you're staying here unless they bump the price up and then we'll get a good deal so I'm kind of ambivalent to it now like I said in in the first episode I think it was I was quite eager for him to leave. I I don't really mind either way. If he goes, we get money. If he stays, we keep a, a world-class player. And I think he is the kind of player that as much as he's 
surprise me with the lack of professionalism with the training situation. I do think if he stays, he hits the ground running and has a good season and proves himself again. So it's win-win really at the minute. One of our list, yeah, one of our listeners, Max, um, he has experienced a similar situation this summer with Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers in the NFL. Mm. However, he is their their star man, uh, has been for years, um, and he has publicly been saying he wants out or he wants, and, and nobody's really known why. We don't. He hasn't specified a particular team he wants to leave for. He hasn't. Sp- publicly specified he wants more money or anything it's just said i want out but as time has progressed and it's become clear now that he's stayed and i think when you have a player like that it's the same with kane at spurs who is so sort of talismanic Mm. and um has such a previously have such good rapport with the fans because they are they are the absolute star man it'd be very easy for for them to if we're in the middle of october and kane's already chalked up seven eight nine league goals nobody's gonna care are they like no. it's just um it's one of those things i'd be so. willing to forgive i think <laughs> that's that's and i think spurs spurs fans are a couple of weeks behind the cycle that green bay packers fans are, have been at this summer mm. so the end of end of august you'll all be saying go on then harry let's have another 30 goal season from you let's go yeah look i'm, I'm not going to complain if he comes in and, and smashes it i'm going to be happy but equally if he goes he goes it's an ideal situation for us i think at the minute um if it's i don't know what if guardiola said this publicly but is it kane or bust have they got any other sort of is there any other rumors circulating circulating about other potential striking targets or is it literally kane or bust I don't know if you guys have seen anything. I don't. I haven't seen anything. No. Um, apart from Kane, which I find interesting because you know I I feel like Haaland is there for the taking. I know Dortmund have said we're not going to sell this summer, but I think if Man City were to say we'll pay you one hundred fifty million, when next year you'll get half that because of his release clause, why would they mm. turn that down? Um. I think so a lot I, of teams are missing that trick at the minute. Yeah, I, yeah. I would not well, want Chelsea, to be in that race well, next summer. Chelsea have tried it, haven't they? They Chelsea, did. Tuchel's even said that they tried. They tried for Haaland, Haaland but... Um, and Lewandowski, apparently, yeah. And Lewandowski, yeah. And ended up with Lukaku. So Lukaku's third choice. It's <laughs> a bit sad, isn't it? I know. Uh, but being able to spend £97.5 on your third choice isn't a bad position to be <laughs> no, in. No, exactly. The rich get richer. Yeah, exactly. Um... On the other side of uh, London, from the um, from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, is the Emirates Stadium, which uh, this weekend will be hosting Arsenal versus Chelsea. And I, my storyline from the weekend is Arsenal are an absolute shambles. Um, <laughs> like, love it. We all we all said it at the beginning when we all predicted them to finish ninth, and then they finished tenth somehow in our table. <laughs> They're just. They're a mess and they're so lacking in any identity. Um, I'm a big believer in terms of footballing philosophy and this is something probably that's grown in me um, since Daniel Fark has been Norwich manager. Um, that I, I hate this idea of plan B thinking where if plan A isn't working, you need to have a plan B up your sleeve because you train every single day to play a particular way and then suddenly change it up in mid-game to try and hoof it up to a long like six foot five guy up top is that's not going to work because that's not what you've been doing in training every day i say get better at plan a mm. but arsenal 
do not have a plan A. I <laughs> like every, like every team has what they do in like two. Reese, you're a Chelsea fan. You know what Tuchel does in training with his Chelsea mm-hmm. players because you see it every weekend on the pitch. Exactly. I know what Daniel Farker does with his Norwich players in, during the week because I see it on a Saturday on the pitch. Jake, you're only a week into the Nuno reign, but even then, like it, there was a clear identity in yeah, the performance. Yeah. Exactly. Arsenal have just no identity when they get to the the ball when they got the ball in the final third against Brentford. Um, their only sort of uh, approach was to get it out wide to Tierney to cross it into the box mm. where you've got five foot eight Balogun and five foot nine Emil Smith Rowe waiting for the ball. Like, and what, what is the plan there? Um, they were just shambolic from front to back against Brentford. Xhaka looked like he was playing in a one man midfield at some point because mm-hmm. Laconga drifted out wide to the left. So Xhaka was left to cover the entirety of midfield. And for the last like 20 minutes of the first half, they were getting so badly overrun in midfield. Um, Callum Chambers, good lord, like <laughs> <laughs> he was he was abysmal. Like on, on uh, 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 as when Bueno was playing out wide on. He was sort of uh, he was playing up top, but he was going out wide left quite a bit, and he had Callum Chambers on absolute strings all game. Um, and ben even White Ben, did not ben look White, yeah, I know it's really. his first game, and you don't want to you don't want to do that, give, put that sort of pressure on him straight away. But it naturally comes with a price tag, and he looked all over the place as well. The problem with Arsenal is that nobody's taking responsibility for it because they've chucked out all these youngsters. Martinelli started, Smith Rowe started, Laconga started, Balogun started, Ben White started. And it's so unfair to ask the guys that, like Balogun was making his first Premier League appearance. It's so unfair to ask those guys to do it, to do those jobs you're asking them to do when it's there's something being lost in translation from the training to the yeah. to the final the final thing that you get on match day. And even looking beyond what's happening on the pitch. I don't believe for a second that Lacazette and Aubameyang were ill, as Arteta no. was saying. Both of them. You, you could see it in his face when he was asked that question by the Sky reporter. He said, yeah, they're both sick and that's all I can say. But you could see it in his face that, like, I don't... We're obviously, it's conjecture and we're only speculating, but it looked like... And it's... Those two, I don't... With Arteta as well, and a little bit during the Emery tenure, have had similar issues in terms of falling out with the club or falling out with management. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that is raising its head again. Um, and then transfer policy at Arsenal. On top of what happened at the weekend, this week we've seen, oh, they're back in for flipping Ramsdale. That's going to solve all their problems, isn't it? <laughs> like, they've got Leno in goal, who's a f- pretty serviceable Premier League goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And what Arsenal have done is looked at that and thought, I know what we need. We'd spend 30 million quid on a goal, on a backup goalkeeper to push Leno. What are you? T- what kind of strategy is that? Made even worse, can I say, by the fact that they sold Emi Martinez 12 mm. months ago. Yeah. Like, who's now <laughs> one of the best in the league. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Arsenal are an absolute man. I'm sorry if there's any Arsenal. Well, maybe Arsenal fans agree with me. Don't apologise, um, Nick. It's fine. <laughs> oh, but they're just, they're so devoid of direction, leadership, responsibility, mm. identity. They're a mess. Absolutely. Mess. And, and go on, Reese. I was going to say, they're a far cry from 
you know, 17 years ago, they were the best team in the land with the Invincibles and stuff. Like, oh. that's not that long ago in the grand scheme of things, no. and they've fallen into just complete disarray. Yeah, and it's, it's incredible to watch, to be fair, from the outside. It's, it's so it funny. Is, it's remarkable <laughs> how, fall, how far they've fallen. Like, <clears throat> even when Man United were having their quote-unquote tricky years under, like, Van Halen, Moyes and stuff, there was, they didn't come close to anything as, no. as, as bad as this. The thing is, though, I think Arsenal fans now are gradually... I know the Arsenal fan base is probably one of the most sort of visceral and vocal out there. Especially on, on on social media, Arsenal fan TV and all that. Yeah, oh god, yeah. I did, for my sins, I did tune into a few minutes of that because um, I was just like, I need to see what they're saying about this. And it was mm. as you can, it was exactly as you can imagine. Um, but yeah, it's just I just don't. I I, I think the fans are, are coming round to the idea that you know what, maybe we are a, a bit shit, um, <laughs> and that's uh, that is the new Arsenal. Um, it's just, I find it mad that the first summer that they're actually looking at, that they're going to put some money out there. They spent 50 million quid of it on Ben White. They're going to spend 30 million quid of it on Ramsdale, if you believe the the paper talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I think and they're signing Odegaard. Odegaard back. as well, I was just yeah. about to say, yeah. Uh, but again, he's a young guy who's... Um, he's car- already in his young career, he's carrying a lot of baggage on him in terms mm-hmm. of he was supposed to be the next big, great superstar in world football, and that has not happened at all. Um, and so and if they sign Odegaard, Emil Smith-Rowe was meant to be your new kind of talisman number 10. Where does that and, put him? You know? Yeah. It's just... Signing a player that's basically exactly the same. Exactly. There's been no... There, there, there seems to be no conversation. I'm sure there are conversations going on between board level person player personnel level and 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 arteta like club uh, first team manager level i'm sure conversations are happening but whatever they're talking about is not coming across and it's not producing an end result that's anything close to acceptable for a club like the size of arsenal um and long may it continue i think <laughs> we'll get around to this in, in the um in the match previews but arsenal, and although arsenal finished the season well last season uh, they had a lot of games last season where they were really, really, really poor. Um, and having a crowd back in at the Emirates Stadium this season, that could turn sour very quickly. Um, and I think Arteta got with the weight and the club got away with a few bad performances at the first half of last season. That might not be the case this time around. Um, but beating Arsenal, we should do them, uh, shouldn't do them a disservice. We're, of course, Brentford. And Jake, you want to talk about... The, the promoted teams and we had a bit of history happen can I just mm. re- appreciate these segues they're fantastic good oh. links and it? it's <laughs> like we planned it <laughs> almost um, yeah no the at the weekend first things first I owe Watford an apology I think <laughs> um, I was probably a little bit harsh on them in the previous shows um, <laughs> they surprised us all the the one game that I know you guys had in your accumulators, and I think a lot of people did, is Villa were nailed on to beat Watford, and that did not happen. Um, so fair play, well done Watford. We all take it back. Um, the one that we did back, well that I backed, and I, I think Reese you did as well, is Brentford to beat Arsenal. Mm. Um, massive result for Brentford. I think they, we've we've said all week they become everyone's new favourite second team. Uh, the way they performed against Arsenal, the spirit that they brought into that win, 
was fantastic and it was it was such a good way to kick off the season to see a team like Brentford beat Arsenal in the new stadium and and comprehensively beat Arsenal as well like they were they were dominant they deserved that win massively it wasn't a lucky win that was absolutely deserved um and yeah it's it's as Nick said a bit of a record breaking well a record equaling uh weekend which we'll get to um newly promoted teams I've done a bit of stat digging because I love I love this kind of thing um newly promoted teams winning on an opening weekend is not very common um I can so, testify to that as a Norwich fan. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yo-yoing yo- 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 over the last 10 years. Literally never, literally yeah. never happened. Yeah. Literally never happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a few stats for you. August 2012, West Ham beat Aston Villa as a newly promoted team uh, on the opening weekend. It took another four years until 2016-17 season for a newly promoted team to do that again. So Hull beat Leicester in 16-17 season. I always forget um, that Hull were a Premier League team. Mm, oh, yeah. They had, well, they, had um, they had one great player. What was that Brazilian guy they had? Elano. No, Elano, I want to... It starts no. with a G. Was he Brazilian? Come back to me. I'll, I'll find out. You we'll get there. Talking. We'll get there. Um, yeah, Hull actually beat the champions Leicester in 2016 as a newly promoted team. Uh, so it took four years for that to happen in that gap. So that's how rare a win for a promoted team in general is on six previous occasions in, in the history of the Premier League all the promoted teams have lost on the opening mm-hmm. game of the season including last year when Leeds Fulham and West Brom all were defeated on the opening weekend mm-hmm. only twice have all promoted teams avoided defeat twice in 20 is it 30 years, in fact? Yes, 30 years. 30 years, yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 mm-hmm. years, so twice that that's happened. I think so, the oh, first was season, was, the first Premier League was 1992. 92, so 29 years, 29 years, yeah. Um, So the overall record, 86 games, 86 fixtures uh, for newly promoted teams, 15 wins in total, 20 draws and 51 defeats on the <sighs> opening game of the season. So <laughs> clearly... Newly promoted teams do not do well on the opening game of the season. Mm. But this year, it's all different. Watford beat Aston Villa. Brentford beat Arsenal. And they don't they, need to talk about it. They don't need to talk about the other one. No, the, the other one, we something else happened somewhere <laughs> to a team in yellow, but it is what it is. Um, that is a new record. Well, an equal of a record. Six points on the opening weekend for newly promoted teams is the record. and. I'll ask you guys, when do you think that record was set? How long has it took to equal that record? And it was happened before in the Premier League era, so since 92. Yes, it's happened once before. I'm going to go for the opening season, 92, 93. Okay, Reese. Hmm. I think later than that. I would say maybe kind of 2007, eight. Okay, in the middle of those two. 90, 97, 98, Bolton and Crystal Palace both won to get six points. So it's took 14 years? No. Yeah, 14 years. Yeah, 14, 15 years Mm. for that to happen. Is that right? That is right. Since 97, 98? No, 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 no. no, 20 odd years. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
still a that's team. That's the one. Yeah. The one. We're thing not a maths podcast, guys. We're not maths. <laughs> yeah, if you want maths, go and watch Countdown. Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> that's not what we're here for. So yeah. Also, the player I was thinking about was Giovanni. Do you remember Giovanni? Oh yes, City? yes, yes, I yeah. do vaguely remember Giovanni. He was great. He was like I said. Streets are. I said Ilano. Alano obviously played for Man City, but I had in my head mm. that he played for Hull for a bit. And is he that have I completely made that up? I'm or sure I, did. or was Alano. I thinking of Giovanni? Alano Hull. Let's have a look. Alano. I think I was thinking of Giovanni, to be honest. Maybe. No, he did he did play for Hull. Who? Alano did. Alano did not play for Hull. Did he not? No. I can see him in a Hull shirt. Oh, I, th- I am. I was. I was thinking of Giovanni because Giovanni moved from City oh. to Hull. Yeah, yeah. So I was. Thi- I was thinking of Alano. I can see on my Google search Alano being tackled by a Hull player. That's what I thought was him <laughs> as a Hull player. So yeah, so twenty-four years. Back to the stats. Um, twenty-four years it took for that record to be equaled, not beaten, equaled. Mm. So massive, well done to Watford Good. and Brentford. They've shown that it's possible. Um, and we were massively wrong about Watford. I still we think they're going to struggle this season, but good start very good start and Brentford fantastic very very happy with them getting the win obviously for biased reasons and for very neutral reasons just to see a, a team like that come up and, and smash it on the opening days yeah really really good to see right Jake do you want to quickly uh, sprint through your team of the week from game week one that you've come up with yes it my pleasure uh, so in goal I'm sorry Nick Alison in goal. That's right, he made a wonder he, save. He, he did, he did. Yep, Alisson was very impressive against Norwich, kept the clean sheet. Um, looked like the Alisson of old that we probably didn't see last season, but very good start to the season for him. Um, he's my goalkeeper for the week. In defence, I've, I've gone for a classic 4-4-2, by the way, because that's the kind of guy I am. Okay. Um, so in defence, very, very happy with this one. Jaffet Tanganga. Unbelievable performance. He was good. Sterling and Grealish very quiet. Absolutely pocketed (laughs) completely. Um, You could tell from the first couple of minutes he was going in strong on on those two. That was his instruction clearly to to keep them at bay and he he did it. He did a brilliant job. So very happy with that. Um, In the middle of defence, Ethan Pinnock from Brentford. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Very good performance there. Uh, he he got the assist as well. Is that right, Ethan Pinnock? Did he do the long throw for the header? Yeah, yeah, he got the assist mm-hmm. against Arsenal. So even just for that, is is in there. But no, really solid display by Brentford. Obviously, the they didn't get threatened much by Arsenal, but they kept it very solid at the back when they needed to. And I think a Brentford player deserved to be in here for this week. Mm-hmm. And Pinnock is the pick. Uh, alongside him, Reese, you'll be happy, Trevor. Chalaba. Yes. Um, what a weekend for that young lad. Mm. The goal, His the clean sheet. The, the moment of the weekend. Yeah. yeah, that was just heartwarming. And yeah, that's what you want to see. Absolutely brilliant. Um, looked very mature and very solid at the back mm-hmm. and got his really impressive goal as well. Before we so. move on from Trevor Chalaba, I can't believe that he is now good at football. <laughs> when he was on loan at Ips- when he was on loan at Ipswich a couple of a few years ago, I watched him when they played against Norwich, and I was like, I can't believe this guy is a professional footballer, and now he's made his debut for Chelsea. Yeah, now look at it. So fair play mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, really, really good. I hope we see 
see some more of him this season. That'd be really good. Um, He's going to end up like Tamori and be sold in 18 months. Time. Oh, don't tell me that. Yes, don't give is. me that negative attitude, please. Thank you. It's the, it's the Chelsea way. It definitely is. <laughs> you know it in your heart of hearts. He's going in, in a year's time. I don't um, think he will see. I don't think. Well, we can talk about it later, but I don't think he will. <laughs> We'll talk about it next season when he's uh, playing for he's got a different team. When he's playing um, for Milan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, alongside him at left back, another Chelsea player, uh, Alonso. Yeah. Brilliant goal. Brilliant performance. Nice and tight at the back. Not much more needs to be said apart from... He was excellent on yeah. the weekend. He, he that does free kick is, is the least of it. Yeah. He puts in every so often. He just pops up as this proper, excellent left wing back. In a way, you flying, just flying wing you, back. Yeah. yeah, you wonder like why is he not starting every week? He's very inconsistent, but when he's on form, he's really, really good. Mm. Absolutely brilliant performance from him and, and Chelsea defensively as well. So I think they deserve the the two spots there in the back four. Um, mm. Moving on to midfield, another one that I'm very happy about down this right hand side, Lucas Mora, for his yeah. performance against City, mm-hmm. Pff, unbelievable. Every time he picked up the ball, he was running at City, scaring the defenders. Putting him under pressure. He was kind of leading the counter attack. He was the main ball carrier in the counter yeah. attacks yeah, as well. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, Lucas Moore, is, for me, has always been a player that I really quite rate quite highly and really quite like, but he's never quite hit the peak of his form, I don't think, on a consistent basis. I'm hoping that this season could be different. He, he was a player that could have probably left this summer, um, but didn't, and I'm really happy about that. I think he's... I think he's set for a good season. I don't. I hope I don't have to eat my words, but <laughs> I really do. I think he'll flourish under Nuno. I think the with him and Son on either side, and then Kane up top. If we stick with that or whatever we go for, I think he's got a bright season ahead, and I'm excited for that. He 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 showed a lot of promise on on the weekend and looked very dangerous. So buzzing about that. Um. Middle of the park is a Manchester United dominated midfield. Has to be. It's pretty yeah. obvious what what was going to be happening here. So Paul Pogba <laughs> four assists, unbelievable display. I think we're finally seeing potentially the the Pogba that deserves a ninety million pound price tag, and the kind of Pogba that we've seen for France in the summer as well. Sorry, can I just say talk about Sunis's bit I did on Sky? Oh, he had a nightmare, <laughs> didn't he? But he was like. <sighs> When Micah Richards came in and was like, well, Pogba's got four assists and what, yeah, why are you talking about Greenwood as the star of the show when Pogba's mm. done that? He's like, well, that's what you come to expect from a £90 million player. Every week, week in, week out. I was like, oh, God. Four assists every week. His Pogba <laughs> agenda is so, it must be a bit at this point. I can't believe I that. Know, it's, it's just, so, he's made, he's made his bed and he's sleeping in it forever now, isn't yeah, he? He can't yeah. ever go So the standard, the standard we should expect from Pogba then is is what, like 160 100. assists? This <laughs> season? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's something that has only happened seven times in like Premier League history, is someone getting four assists yeah. in the game. Mm. Like, madness. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable display. Um, and from sooner San Pogba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I'd rather Chef, uh, Manchester United, sorry, not perform that good this season, it's kind of, I don't know. It's quite satisfying to see a player perform to that standard. Um, so long may it continue until they come to White Hart Lane. Uh, no, not White Hart Lane, sorry, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Forgetting about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was really good to see that masterclass there. And obviously alongside him, Bruno Fernandes, hat-trick. 
um, a real kind of array of different finishes as well from him. A couple of more scrappy ones, and then the one that volley? volley was it a volley? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it's a volley. volley. It was yeah, awesome, impeccable finish. Love to see goals like that. Um, yeah, there's nothing more needs to be said. I think he's a massive contender for player of the season. Come the end, I'm sure he'll be performing like that every week. Uh, so yeah, he looked very de- well. Manchester United in general looked very, very dangerous, which is worrying. But no, very, very good performance from both of those two in the middle of the park. Uh, on the left hand side, I've gone for Richarlison. Um, mm-hmm. He's a weird player, Richarlison. He does perform pretty good, but then. There's always little spells where it doesn't quite go right. And overall in the season, you kind of get the vibe that it's not quite being as good as it could be for him. But if he plays like that every week, uh, the way he played against Southampton, I think him and Calvert-Lewin could be uh, even more dangerous than last season, potentially. Very, very good display from him. He got his goal and the assist as well, I believe. Is that right? He did, yeah. Great cross, to be fair. It was a great cross, yeah. Um, so, yeah, very dangerous performance from him. We thought Everton might struggle this season. If him and Calvert-Lewin play the way they did the other day, then that we might be wrong about that one, possibly. Um, but we're very rarely wrong, so we'll see. <laughs> um, and then up top, I hate to do it because it's so obvious, but Mo Salah, brilliant mm-hmm. performance against uh, your boys, Nick, yeah, unfortunately. Can't complain about that. Yeah, he, he, I, I keep waiting for him to not deliver and it doesn't seem to come. It never happens. Similar to Bruno, I think he's going to be, he's probably going to have a brilliant season again and be up there for play of the year and probably golden boot and everything. Um, gets a bit boring, doesn't it? Seeing that happen again. And Same again, players but, every year. Mm. Yeah, but he'll retire eventually. We'll, we'll see the back of him soon. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, it, absolutely brilliant performance from Salah. Um, not just from his own perspective in, in goal scoring, but laying up the, the goals as well. Very dangerous player. And then partnering him up top, uh, I was very close to picking Ivan Tony. He didn't get a goal, mm-hmm. but his performance against Arsenal was a real kind of team effort performance. He, mm-hmm. he was leading the line. Um, brilliantly, but I had to go for Mikel Antonio. Uh, he got his goal and assist, yeah. and he became West Ham's equal record goal scorer, goal scorer did, of he? all time, which is very impressive. So, fair play. I love that he's converted from being an out and out winger into a an out and out number nine. Number it's nine, really, yeah. really, really cool to watch. Yeah, no, he's he's a good player, Antonio. I do, I really rate him. He's um. He's a fantasy football player that I will probably bring in at some point and had for a lot of last season as well. If it wasn't for injuries, he'd probably be even more prolific than he is at the minute. But last season, he was very strong. This season, he started off on a good foot. So, again, I'd like to see him continue. I like Antonio. Good. Good. So that is all of the news from the last weekend of games. We will move swiftly on to um, our... All-time goalmouth ramble, Premier League 11. So, as I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to do this position by position every week. This week, we're doing the goalkeeping position. 
Um, the three of us are going to pick a player that we think should be the Premier League all-time 11 goalkeeper, uh, put forward our cases uh, for these players, and then we're going to put it out to you, the listeners, to vote for on Twitter. So if you go to gr underscore pod on Twitter, once you've listened to this, you'll be able to see that we'll get a poll uh, set up there, and you can vote and uh, vote and share on that, and um, we will see who comes out victorious. Uh, Reese, I'm going to come to you first. Yes. I know. I think anybody who knows you and knows that you're a Chelsea <laughs> fan could guess who you are going to bring to the table. But I will hand yep. it over to you for your all-time um, Premier League eleven goalkeeper. Yeah, for me, obviously the league has seen some legendary goalkeepers. You know, people like David Seaman, people like the people you've chosen as well. That's a bit of a spoiler for what you've chosen, by the way. But it's not David <laughs> not Seaman. David Seaman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my pick is um, Chelsea's probably all-time best ever goalkeeper. And um, Arsenal's. And Arsenal's, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I want to say, I'm going to clarify, by the way, I'm not going to pick a Chelsea player for every position because we've got some great players, but there are other, you know, characters to pick in other spots. But Czech is my pick for keeper. Um, so obviously his clean sheet record is pretty sensational. He has kept um, 202 clean sheets in his 443 games for both Chelsea and Arsenal. So it's basically every other game he gets a clean sheet there or thereabouts. Um, he's won the league four times, the FA Cup four times, the League Cup three times. He is one of the most kind of decorated English uh, league goalkeepers of all time. Um, he's he was part of the best ever defense the league has ever seen with the Chelsea 2004-2005 team that conceded 15, 15 goals, goals in the league. Yeah. 15 goals in 38 games is unheard of, and never that will never ever be beaten. I don't think ever again. Um, and that was Czech. You know, obviously he had. John Terry, Carvalho in, in front of him, but that's also the, the keeper's got to make those saves and he's got to, you know, stop the goals actually going in the net and to only concede 15 times in a league season is ridiculous. Um, I think as well, he you have to commend his consistency. You know, he, he was incredible before, um, kind of an incident in 2007 when he did fracture his skull and then he came back from his injury and then he returned to form pretty much immediately. Maybe a couple of dodgy weeks every so often, but he's been pretty amazing apart from that. And I know there are, you know, other players have won the league maybe more times than Peter Cech. But Cech won it with two different managers. You know, he won it with Mourinho twice, with Antony once, and then Mourinho again when he came back, when he had different defenders in front of him, different teams, and yet he was still the backbone for this kind of incredibly successful Chelsea era from... 2004 until when he left in what 2015 or so so yeah for me Petr Cech is the best keeper in Premier League history okay well put forward uh Jake who's your contender for best best Premier League all-time goalkeeper uh okay that was a good argument Reese. to be fair well done mate thanks man uh, but you, but you, but you're wrong. So it's fine. Um, the greatest goalkeeper in Premier League history is obviously Peter Schmeichel, uh, the Great Dane. You know, so looking at his stats, we'll go for the numbers. Premier League appearances: three hundred and ten, one hundred and twenty-eight clean sheets, one hundred and seventy-five wins. That's incredible already. Um, he won five titles. So how many did Czech win again, Reese? Four, 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 four. Yeah, okay. Some, some more than check. Yeah, good, good. Um, four Cooney Shields, three FA Cups, one League Cup, one Champions League, one Super Cup. Uh, so, oh, I, w- I didn't count Champions Leagues because 
you know, it's, a, oh, it's yeah, the all-time but... Premier League eleven. You know. Okay, yeah. But, I'm just. I, I by the context. way, Czech has won the Champions League as well. Saved the penalty in the shootout. But oh, we'll... good, good for Czech. Good for Czech. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> um, so very decorated goalkeeper. Um, he was signed for just five hundred thousand pounds. Um, Petrček was seven million. Something so, like that, yeah. Again, bargain. And <laughs> <laughs> inflation, though, from you know the nineteen nineties when Schmeichel was yeah, signed. Okay, work it out and get back to me. Um, <laughs> the only thing that I need to say to to put this argument forward, I mean, obviously we've got the the treble winning side of nineteen ninety nine. He was a massive part of that, and I think that's a huge moment in in English football history. It was a huge moment in in my own kind of footballing journey as well. I remember that being, I didn't even support Manchester United, but just watching that, that, that final in the Champions League and seeing the, the Manchester United team win the treble was absolutely huge um, to witness that and, and be excited by that just as a football fan more than anything. And he was a massive part of that. Um, you know, just his consistency throughout his career at Manchester United, he, he helped them win the, um, the Premier League title for the first time as well. Massive part of that with, I think it was 22 clean sheets in that season. The big thing for me that I think wins Peter Schmeichel this crown as best goalkeeper of all time um, in the Premier League, he scored 11 goals, man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, how many other goalkeepers can say that? How many other goalkeepers can say Not all in the Premier League, no, no, no. no. But across his career, eleven goals. You know, we need that context. Find out if you if you're putting together if you're putting now (laughs) if you're putting together a team and you're looking at the goalkeeper, what do you want from your goalkeeper? Do you want solidarity? Do you want clean sheets? Or do you want goals? Everyone wants goals. (laughs) This guy delivers goals. So picture Michael or be wrong. It's up to you. Over to you, Nick. I've always loved John Ruddy, and I'll tell you now. Um, <laughs> my my choice is um, the other Manchester United goalkeeper, um, Edwin Van der Sar. Um, he won the Premier League title four out of the six seasons that he was at Man United, getting uh, and his Premier League record is one hundred and thirty-two clean sheets in three hundred and thirteen games, which is a better clean sheet percentage record than Peter Schmeichel. Bearing in mind that. Van der Sar spent four years in the Premier League at Fulham he still had a, a, a better clean sheet percentage record than Peter Schmeichel who spent the majority of his career at United then one year at City and one year at Villa Van der Sar spent four years at Fulham and still had a better clean sheet record what are you trying um, to say about Fulham Nick? I'm saying they're not very good. <laughs> uh, and so Van der Sar did astonishingly well to keep, I think he kept 40 clean sheets at Fulham, uh, which goes some way to saying how good he was as a goalkeeper. Um, he was selected in the Premier League Team of the Year three times, won the Golden Glove once, was voted UEFA's Club Goalkeeper of the Year in 2009. Um, Man United didn't win a title between 2002 and 2006. Um, so what a shock that coincided with Van der Sar's arrival after a few years of weird foot, uh, goalkeeper sort of <laughs> mediocrity with Roy Carroll and Fabian Bartes and Tim Howard. Um, then they brought Van der Sar in and they wore, and they won um, three years on the trot uh, between 2006 and 2009. They were pretty much unstoppable. Um, 
Rishi talked about uh, Petr Cech's um, 15 goals in a season, which is very impressive. And Petr Cech also did um, have uh, hold the record for previous minutes without conceding a goal. He did. Um, I think uh, um, t- until, of course, Van der Sar came along and absolutely <laughs> blew it out of the water. Um, Czech's record was 1,025 minutes and then it, Van der Sar broke that record. I went a whole, oh, nearly 300 minutes longer. So he went 1,311 minutes without That's conceding a goal. Games. I mean, it's, it's 300 minutes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and I also think Schmeichel benefits from this uh, from this being more fondly remembered, like you've brought up, Jake, with his goals and he's a bit of a showman. Um, went up for corners and all that stuff. But you know what? That also meant he was mo- more prone to a bit of a clangor than Van der Sar. And you said mm. when you're building your team, what do you want? You want just solid, steady, reliable goalkeeper you know will get you out of a tough spot if you need to. And Van der Sar was that man. Quiet, clinical, does his job with ease. And like I said, he's got a better he's got a better um, clean sheet record than Schmeichel. And Can he, I he, find he out what is Petr this Cech's percentage, record. by the way? What's this percentage? Edwin van der Sar's percentage is forty two point seven one seven percent. He's what, third. Schmeichel's? I can't remember what Schmeichel's was, but I've uh, got the top. News. I've got oh, the top news. three. I've got the top three here. Right. Uh, Pepe Reina was uh, was top. Uh, with 45.79% of, of his games were clean sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, Petr Cech was second. Oh, was he? But, oh. but for the same reason, <laughs> the same reason that I pointed out with Schmeichel, Petr Cech spent the entirety of his career playing for either Arsenal, who were still pretty good when he was playing for them. No, or they Chelsea. fucking weren't. They weren't Fulham. <laughs> Let's put it that way. They were still Arsenal, though. They weren't Fulham. Um, so I think to be able to spend four years playing at Fulham and to be have that kind of um, that kind of clean sheet ratio, that's um, something to write home about and should be probably the thing that uh, tips me over the edge as the Premier League goal, best goalkeeper of all time. Oh. What, you or Van der Sar? <laughs> Both. John Reddy, I think. Joint effort, but as I said, yeah, John. Despite what I said, John Ruddy, yeah, okay, no, uh, Edward Van der Sar is my vote, um, and that's all there is to it. Um, okay. So yeah, you've heard our arguments. We'll put even option. We'll put an option in the poll that says other, so you can leave a comment if you disagree and want to put somebody <laughs> else's name forward, i.e., if John Ruddy's listening to this. Um, but that is it. Schmeichel versus Better Check versus Edwin Van der Sar. We'll leave it in the list, capable hands of the listeners, to decide who the Goalmap Ramble uh, best uh, all-time eleven goalkeeper is going to be. Um, we will take a short break now, and we will be back with the previews of the fixtures for game week two so game week two kicks off um on saturday's no friday night game at 12 30 and that is liverpool are hosting burnley um as we've done in previous weeks um jake uh, we've divvied them up to have a little bit of research beforehand. And Jake, this is this one's for you, so I'll hand mm-hmm. it over to you to talk about Liverpool versus Burnley. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So um, the key thing to remember is, does everyone remember the run that Liverpool had of winning at Anfield? Or, well, not winning, but unbeaten at Anfield. 68 yeah. games. Yeah. Do you remember who ended that? Burnley. Was it Burnley, Burnley ended that, yeah. Mm, last season, so, wasn't it? Yeah. Ego, Burnley are going to win this weekend. Um, no, I don't think they will. Um, 
no, Liverpool started fairly strong uh, against Norwich last weekend. They've got players coming back from injury and, and obviously gaining fitness at the back. And Burnley, um, not so much. So I don't think we're going to see a repeat of last season at all. I think we're going to see probably a fairly dominant Liverpool display this weekend coming up. I'll probably be wrong again. Um, but I I fancy Liverpool to turn it on like they did against Norwich. I think Burnley might grab a goal, potentially. I think they've got that in the locker, unlike Norwich. Um, <laughs> we should have done. Well, <laughs> should have, would have, could have, but it didn't happen. So um, We're getting feisty this week. Yeah, like I enjoy it. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I, I do fancy Liverpool to, to dominate this game. I think Burnley obviously threw away the lead against Brighton last week and that's the kind of game they needed to be holding on to and winning and they didn't even manage that. I think a trip to Anfield with the fans there now and Liverpool feeling good after last weekend, I'm predicting a 3-1 Liverpool win. Um, I've gone for 3-0 to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I've gone 3-0 as well. Yeah. After watching Liverpool um, on Saturday, they're only one game in, but that looked a lot like 2019-20 Liverpool rather than Mm. 2021 Liverpool, Mm. um, which is pretty scary. Um, So that's the predictions for that one. I should say, actually, that um, we've been keeping track of our score predictions, and we will do for the entirety of the season. Um, to see who who wins at the end. So the, the scoring system we've got in place is get one point for a correct result and then a bonus point for a correct um, score. Um, and after the first game week, I should say, even though I wanted to sort of bury this and never mention this ever again, that um, <laughs> recent Jake lead 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 the competition on nine points apiece. So well done, gents. And I'm thank you. I'm just a, I'm just a bit before bit behind that. So we don't need to talk. about Five, with five there's a, points there's a gap there's a, there's gap. a, there's a significant gap there's a significant gap back to me on five points um, so in the first week plenty of time plenty of time can change marathon not a sprint gents marathon mm, absolutely that's what all Norwich fans are telling themselves at the minute um, <laughs> three o'clock kickoffs again these are your sort of accumulator candidates the first up we have Aston Villa versus Newcastle mm. Reese, go on then yeah, this this could be quite a good game actually, um, because they were both involved in high scoring games in the first you know weekend of the season. Um, Villa obviously did not look as good as people had expected them to. Maybe the loss of Grealish has impacted them more than we've realised. Um, but there were kind of some bright sparks in that performance. Like I think Leon Bailey looked quite good on from what I saw. On match of the day, he had a very nice assist for John McGinn, who's got a beauty, by the way. That was my, McGinn's was my favourite goal of the week. Yeah, it was a lovely was really goal. Good. Um, so I think Dean Smith is going to be looking for a, a massive kind of wake-up, bounce-back performance um, from his team. However, it's worth kind of thinking about how much did John Terry have on the defence of Villa, because they looked shaky in that mm. first game. Um, they lost both assistant managers in pre-season. Mm. Those Terry, and, I can't remember what the, yeah. uh, the other guy was. Neither do I, but you, you you have to wonder, you know, because obviously Terry is up there with the best Premier League defenders ever. You know, he probably did take the lead on organising the defence and how much did that have an impact on it? So it might be quite good to see. Um, but from Newcastle's perspective, I was I was kind of 
kind of impressed with Newcastle in the first half on the weekend. Obviously, they, they lost 4-2 at the end, but they played quite well in the first half, and they had kind of lots of attacking intent, and you had San Maximan looking actually very good, and he had a great assist and a nice first goal for Callum Wilson to start. And I think they were obviously buoyed by having St. James's Park rocking in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they can take the positives from that first game into this game against Villa. Um, and I would look out for uh, Joe Willock probably making his first appearance for them since his a kind of permanent transfer was confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, so in their kind of head-to-head history, uh, Villa have only lost twice of the last 10 games against Newcastle, but that does include six draws. Um, so on that basis, I've gone for a 2-2 draw for this one. I have. Um, I'm still sticking to the Aston Villa bandwagon. I'm, um, it's a bit early for me to fall off the back yet. Uh, so I'm going to go for Aston Villa to uh, right some wrongs of the opening weekend and win this one 2-0, um, despite Newcastle's yeah good first half. I think second yeah. half, Newcastle showed probably what more people Their were expecting selves. from them. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know um, you mean. So I'm going to go for 2-0 Aston Villa. Jake, what are you going for? Um, I th- I agree with Reese. I think it's going to be quite a good game this one, but I think it'll be one one. I don't think we're going to see as many goals, but I think it's going to be end to end quite scrappy, and I can't see anyone coming out on top. Okay. Uh, next up at the three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday, Crystal Palace versus Brentford. Reese, mm-hmm. back over to you again. Back to me again. Um. Yeah, so I watched the the Chelsea Palace game. Um, you don't need to know how. Um, I thought Palace were particularly poor at the weekend. They didn't have any kind of semblance of a game plan. They just seemed to want to sit back and just try to defend the box as much as they could, which didn't work very well. Um, they didn't press. There was no attacking kind of creativity. You know, Zaha was poor. They had. I think they created maybe two chances and one of them was just a nice block from Rudiger and one of them was a very soft header to, into Mendy's arms and it was just, yeah, for a first game looking at Vieira's team, it did not look to have anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Vieira did say on, you know, match the day afterwards that um, it's going to take some time for his ideas to be kind of put into the team properly, but they should be looking at this game against Brentford. Obviously, you know, we'll come to them in a second um, as a chance to get at least some points on the board. But obviously, Brentford are going to be absolutely flying from their winning against Arsenal. Um, I think this was not mentioned a lot in the kind of post-match coverage, but I think Brentford did get lucky with Arsenal should have got a penalty for me. There was like a weird tangle of legs at one point that looked very suspicious. Um, yeah, no one, like it wasn't mentioned much, but I thought it was a penalty. But anyway, Brentford, you know, deserved that win. And I think they won over lots of neutrals. Um, and I think the pressure now is on them. They weren't expected to win the first game. They won it. So now I think people are thinking against Palace, they can win. Can they then live up to that different kind of pressure? Um, and then for their head-to-head, just I like these kind of stats. <laughs> Brentford have won three of the last five against Palace. Um, but Palace did win the last one. They played 5-1, but it was back in 1977. Um, I did not play so I'm not sure. Never, never since then, no. So whether they, you know, that can, you know, whether Palace will take, will summon the spirit of 1977 to win this game, we'll <laughs> see. Um, but I've got this game as a Brentford 2-1 win Ooh. against Palace. Yeah. Jake, what do you think about this one? 
I'm firmly on the Brentford bandwagon. Um, I, I backed them to beat Arsenal. I think they're going to do it again. I think um, I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be very tight. I think Palace will want to tighten up after the the drubbing against Chelsea. And I think mm. you know Brentford, as good as they looked against Arsenal, they're not they're not going to be the most dangerous team in the league this season. I think it will be tight. I think Brentford one nil win for me. One nil to Brentford. I'm going mm. for a. Um... Tactical 1-1 draw. Um, I, I think Palace will have more about them and like you said, will want to shore up defensively. Brentford's first time going to an away game in the Premier League. Again, home fans, etc. in the first time for, at Palace. I'm going for a stalemate, one-on. Um, Leeds versus Everton, Saturday, 3 o'clock. Jake, over to you for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, two teams who had very different um, very different success and failures over the weekend. Um, obviously Leeds got absolutely battered by Manchester United they in did. the end. Um, it was a shame to be fair as well because I was I was watching that game. Um, and when I knew Luke Ayling's goal was going in, as soon as it dropped to him, I thought he's going to mm. smash this. And I <laughs> yeah. thought that was that was going to be the turning point to make it a really good game. And it was a really good game, but not in the way that I thought. Um, so they'll they'll be very disappointed by that uh, that collapse that happened there. It was literally what was it like a minute later that Greenwood yeah scored the second goal for United. So that was mm. that's disheartening. Definitely. That pass from Pogba as well was incredible, <sighs> unreal, and the finish from Greenwood, yeah, amazing, amazing goal. Um, so I think these will be hurting from that. Uh, Everton, obviously, I I predicted they would have a really dour nil nil affair against Southampton and that didn't happen and they actually looked more like the Everton that was at the peak last season uh, last year Everton won this fixture uh, 2-1 but then lost 1-0 in the reverse fixture so a bit both there I fancy Everton to do a 2-1 again I think the like I said earlier the, the danger men of Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin will probably be enough to get them over the line uh, Leeds will put up a good fight, probably better than they did against Manchester United. But I, th- I fancy Everton to have too much for them. I think Leeds are going to be. It's going to take Leeds some time to get into their gear this year. I reckon. Yeah, like we said at the beginning of, uh, I think it was in the last episode actually. Bielsa's system is very reliant on reliant on match fitness. So if they're not quite match fit yet, maybe that might take them a little bit of a while. Um, I've gone for a one-one draw here though. Uh, again, this is the first Premier League game at Ellen Road with a stadium, with the fans, I should say, for years. Oh, good point. Yeah, I forgot about that. Because there were no 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 fans there last season at all. Um, so I think that might be a factor. But I'm going for a one-one draw. Uh, Reese, what are you going for? I didn't consider the Ellen Road fans' impact because they're going to be buzzing for this, aren't they? Um, but saying that, I think I'm going to stick to my original 2-1 Everton prediction because I, they'd looked better than I thought they were going to look. And like you said, Jake, I think with Richarlison and Cavalier up front, they could score against anyone. So, yeah, I think Everton will win that one 2-1. With that dynamic duo up front and with how Benitez is very traditionally very sort of solidly defensive yeah. manager, that could be quite a good um, quite a good system for Everton going forward. We'll have mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. 
Um, the last of the three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday is Man City hosting my boys Norwich. Uh, mm. Reese, this one over to you. We haven't got our own teams this week. It's all very no, very it's scary. Like, I, quite, I quite like this. Um, so obviously, one of the major questions that Man City will have to answer is: Can they score a fucking goal? Um, <laughs> I can. Spoiler Norwich. alert: Yes, they can. <laughs> <laughs> they probably can. Um, obviously, the like I said earlier about Man City, they've lost their last three competitive games one nil, um, and they struggle against teams that pack the middle. And I don't think Norwich, as far as I'm aware, haven't maybe haven't got that tactical stability just yet. But maybe Farker can prove me wrong. You know, I know you've said Nick Ford that he's a very astute manager tactically maybe you can pull something out of the bag against one of the bigger teams um but i think norwich did look a bit out of their depth against Liverpool at the weekend i know it was against Liverpool, who are you know one of the elite teams in the league but it was you know you did look very much the new kids on the block liverpool just kind of showing you who's boss kind of thing um so I, I think what what you need to take from that game though is that norwich you didn't look out of it completely Defensively, you were poor, but I think going forward, you did have some moments. You should have scored a couple. Like Pookie had a good chance at one point, played some tidy football, and I think you could create something because I think Man City do struggle against teams that can break on them, as Spurs showed at the weekend. Um, so if you can kind of try to make, keep it a nil-nil as long as you can and maybe nick a goal somewhere, that could be something to kind of cling on to. Um, but Man City have won the last three of five against Norwich. You did have that very famous three-two win two years ago, yeah, yeah, and all three of the goal scorers in that game are still on the Norwich books: Pookie Cantwell and McLean. Kenny McLean. Yes. Is he starting for Norwich? Well, um, he was in the Championship last year. He mm. got injured on the last game of the season against Barnsley, and he's still, I think, he was he, he was on the bench against Liverpool, but I think he's still working back to fitness. Yeah, um, so I don't think he probably won't play, but you've still got Timo Pookie and Cantwell, but. You remember that City won the last game between these two teams 5-0. They did. So I've gone for a tentative and more difficult than I think it looks for Man City, but I've gone for Man City to win 2-0 against Norwich. Jake, what are you going to go for? Um, I think it's going to be tougher than we probably, well, Norwich fans probably expect and City fans expect. I think City have got too much for Norwich, but... I fancy you guys to get off the mark and get a, a goal at least. I think it'll be two one City. Yeah, I've gone. Th- I've gone three one City. Um, it was very obvious to me watching Norwich versus Liverpool last weekend that after about sixty minutes, Norwich were dead on their feet. Um, mm. I would attribute that to our lack of preseason and. Grant Handley played the entire ninety minutes without playing a single minute of preseason. Rashika played. 45 minutes of pre-season um yeah there's a lot there was a lot of tired bodies out there uh, against liverpool so i think this is still going to be kind of like a free hit job as also getting at the same time getting match fitness up to a level where it needs to be so we can yeah. properly attack it after the international break i think this game fits in that nobody's expecting us to get anything i'm going 3-1 3-1 man city uh but again at this point it's just about keeping things um Showing that we can can compete, keeping things respectable, um, and just as I said, match fitness is the absolute important thing to gain at the minute. Um, 
the late kickoff, Brighton versus Watford. Uh, before we start, Reese, what type of hat would you like me to order off Amazon? Um, <laughs> we've got a, I got a, get a nice fez, or we can get a trilby. Uh, I think I, I have actually thought about this in more detail. Than I should have. I think like a trilby straw would probably be most, the edible. most edible. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, happy to. And we're going to throw that question to the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So either a trilby you... or a leather top hat, one of the two. Oh, leather would be disgusting. Not leather. Reese, come on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one of those teams that Reese said would draw a blank last weekend is Bright- uh, Brighton, and they're at home to Watford at 5 30. Uh, Brighton were all over the place in the first half against Burnley and could have easily been more than one goal down. Um, but Graham Potter is a really good uh, in-game manager, I think, as well. He has a very sort of um, established system that he likes to implement, but I think his in-game management is actually really good as well, um, the way that he can adapt. Um, and it was his substitutions and his adaptions that made the diff- adaptations, or whatever how you pronounce that word, uh, <laughs> made the difference um, against Burnley. Uh, Alexis McAllister, who is a, is a great name, um, mm. the Argentinian, uh, he came on and scored. Um, Can I just say, sorry, I hate the little gap between Mac and Alistair. Alistair. Yeah, it's Not weird, isn't it? It's Mac horrible. and Alistair. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was an error when I first saw it. <laughs> horrible, horrible. Uh, I love that Alexis McAllister is, is a name. That's really cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, they were much more fluid and were mu- looks much more like a Graham Potter side in the second half and they scored two goals and ended up with the three points. And as expected, they absolutely dominated possession in that second half. Um, I think we mentioned in the very first episode, I think you talked about Brighton Reese and talked about their um, chance creation versus um, chance conversion. Mm. Um, and I've read another stat about that today that last season, I think it was along a similar lines of yours, that they were at like a 19 goal deficit last season from what they should have scored along those in lines, terms yeah. of expected goals versus what they actually scored. So Bright- Brighton create good chances and they did in the second half against uh, against Burnley. Watford were very solid in as kind of like an opposite sort of way of approaching. They were very, very solid defensively against Villa. Um, limited them to hardly any clear goal scoring opportunities apart from the last uh, last sort of 10 minutes where they uh, possibly a bit of early season fatigue had set in and obviously the penalty as well um, but the sort of solid defensive foundation is what they got promoted on last season they conceded the least goals in the championship um, and it looks like that sort of similar mentality is carried over here um, I think Brighton pose a bit of a fairly similar problem to Watford as Villa did, they're a very sort of possession, as I said, possession heavy team who like to play through the lines. So I'd expect Watford to set up similarly in that sort of four with a deep line, four, five, one with a deep line sort of uh, midfielder. Uh, but with Saar and Hernandez and Hernandez has, Hernandez has been on Watford's book for years now, but I think mm. he's always been loaned out or not had a work permit or something like that. But he's finally made his debut and he looked really good. Him and Saar look, both looked like really good outlets down the wings all game. Um, but having said all that, I am going to go for a Brighton victory. I'm going to go for a one nil win for Brighton. Jake, what are you going to go for? Uh, it's a tough one. This one, I think one of the harder ones to predict, especially with Watford last weekend, surprising us all. Um, I think it'll be very tight, very cagey. I think 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. One, one. 
Uh, and Reese, what are you going to go for? I think I'm, I'm probably going to tentatively join the Watford hype train, um, mm. just because they did have a few. I was just impressed. I thought they looked very solid, and they looked like they kind of have come back to the league a better side than they were last time they were in the top flight. Um, so I've I've gone for a Watford two one win, um, but I'm just going off the back of the fact there were lots of goals last week. I'm expecting them to, you know, die down slightly. But it's funny you're all you're all predicting a few draws because there were no draws at all last week, which is quite mm-hmm. fun. I like the fact that the league was just the top ten at three points and top the bottom ten at none. I thought it was quite a nice, it was a nice pleasing. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but in that game, we've all predicted a different result, so one of us is going to be very happy, and two of us are going to be in the mud. Uh, moving on to Sunday, Jake, two o'clock kickoff. Southampton are hosting Manchester United. What can we expect mm. here? I think we can expect an absolute thrashing of Southampton, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I don't know what... They're similar to Norwich. I, the the selling players, like they've just got relegated already and it's self-fulfilling prophecy because they're going to go down at this rate. Um, since we last spoke, I think Vestergaard's gone it's been to confirmed. Leicester. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is just a mental sale. I don't get why you'd let your best centre-back... Is he, he was in the last year yeah. of his contract, but and maybe yeah. he just made it clear that I'm not signing a new contract regardless of mm. what league we're in. So it might have been a cash-in job. But. Yeah, I guess, I guess. But yeah, to lose Danny Ings, to lose Vestergaard, Ward-Prowse has been circled as well. I, I think Southampton are in big trouble. Um, mm. They threw away a chance at some kind of points against Everton last weekend. They're coming up against the Man United team who've hit the ground running from week one last week and, and looked absolutely lethal. United did the double last season over Southampton, including a 9-0 victory as well. Um, I, I can't see it being anything other than Manchester United. I've gone for 3-0. I've gone 2-0, all the same reasons. Reese. I've gone 3-0 as well, just again, same reasons. Man, you are going to just absolutely blow them away, I think, on the weekend. Mm. I look forward there's to not, it. There's not really a bigger golfing class this weekend than, than no. those two, I reckon. I look forward to Southampton's inevitable 1-0 shithouse win. Bring <laughs> <laughs> um, it so. Two o'clock Sunday uh at the same time is Wolves versus Spurs. I don't know which is the Sky game, actually, because that sometimes happens where they have two games at the same time. I don't know which mm. is the Sky game. Uh, but anyway, Wolves versus Spurs. Um, Spurs were incredibly solid against City. We talked about that at the beginning. Um, obviously, the opposition of Man City dictated that that they needed to play that way and on the counter more than you'd expect them to here against Wolves. Um, and the, But there were some great... Um, standout individual performances from Spurs. Deli Ali seems to have, in the space of uh, a summer and off season and ninety minutes, converted himself into a a dynamic box to box midfielder. Um, <laughs> and he put in the most tackles that he ever has in a single game in a Spurs shirt last weekend against City. Um, and he spent more time in his defensive third than he did in his uh, in the attacking third. Um, so Deli Ali's sort of changing his game, and I think he had to do something this off season to get himself up and running again. Um, Davison Sanchez looked assured and competent, which, as uh, I think, was a shock to Jake. W- yeah, was incredible. <laughs> um, 
Son wasn't quite at his fluid best, um, but as a part of that, there were a few times where he had the ball and he could have run at the defender down the line or really pushed to run past it, but just stopped and turned and went backwards. I think Son in mid-season form would have gone to the byline, beating his man, cut inside and done whatever. But he looked a bit, a little bit tentative, but as part of, we said, that front three of um, Bergwijn and Moore as well. Uh, breaking forward, they were really looked really formidable. Um, unless there's a drastic change of events over the next coming days, you can add Kane to that mix as well, probably. Um, either whether he'll be match fit to start, we don't know, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting season, really. But also, a transition from like this from a game where they were um having to defend to the impetus being on them to dominate possession and break down the opposition defence rather than what they had to do against City. Um, and whether he'll stick to that sort of genuine 4-3-3 formation that he, he played against City. Um, in terms of Wolves, um, Nuno's return to Molyneux, I don't think is a particularly spicy affair. I think it was all fairly amicable the way it ended. Um, so I don't expect there to be too much anim- animosity there. Um, of the two teams that we mentioned in our season preview stuff the other being Palace Wolves looked easily the better of the two already after just the first week they seemed much more uh, in tune to their manager's way of thinking their system was much more fluid and working um, and in all honesty they were really unlucky not to get anything from the game against Leicester I think Traore had, Traore had at least two chances that he should have scored uh, Max Kilman had another chance that he probably could have scored on another day as well so Wolves were pretty unfortunate um, and I think considering we expected them to have teething problems early on in the season, they looked pretty good to me. Um, so despite all that, I think the Nuno train continues chugging along and I'm going for 2-0 to Spurs. Uh, Reese, what are you going for here? I've I've gone for a one-all for similar kind of reasons. I think Wolves looked better than everyone thought they would um, and they caused Leicester trouble and I think they can cause Spurs troubles as well. And it's going to be interesting to see whether Spurs can approach this game differently because, like you said, you know, Man City dictate that game, whereas now Spurs will be expected to be the team in control. And Nuno's Wolves team wasn't the team that would control games in the same way. Mm. So I'll be curious to see how Spurs can handle a different kind of level of expectation. But I've So I've gone for a one-all draw in this one. G8, what are you going for here for your boys? Um... I agree. It's going to be a, an interesting game to watch. I think the um, last weekend we saw what what was to be expected on the back foot counter attack, and then control the game from there out. I think the key for us this season is going to be in games like this. We have to start being clinical and control the games against the the lesser team. I feel bad saying that, but you Quite know unquote, the, the yeah, teams yeah. outside the top six. Yeah. We always tend to do okay against the bigger teams. We just tend to fuck it up against mm. lower lower teams. So we have to be putting away teams like Wolves. Um it will be interesting to see Nuno against his old club. Will they will they suss him out or not? I don't think they will. I think we've got too much in the bag. Like you said, if Kane comes back as well, it's a very different game. I fancy us to win two nil and be quite dominant. Okay. Um, on paper, the game of the weekend is at 4.30 on Sunday, and that's Arsenal versus Chelsea. Um, as I said earlier in the show, 
I won't say it again because I don't want to labour the point, but Arsenal are an absolute shambles. Um, <laughs> apart from... Uh, there was a sort of 10 or 15 minute period after half time where they looked competent at least uh but other than that for the other 70 75 minutes they were out for outplayed out out thought out fought and out thought there we go uh by their sort of their, <laughs> by their counterparts they did dominate possession but they did absolutely nothing with it um and it's so early on in the season and i've said this i did hint at this earlier but there's going to be so much pressure in arteta um in front of a full stadium against one of the big teams that Arsenal fans or traditionally Arsenal fans think they should be competing against or alongside. Um, and it could turn sour so, so quickly. Um, I don't think Arteta and Arsenal's situation is helped by the fact that they are playing Chelsea in this particular game. I said to Reese earlier today that I think Tuchel for me, and this might be something of a hot take, but... I think it. I think Tuchel is the best um, game-to-game tactician in the league in terms of having um, adapting his system and the way he wants to play because that's what he does. But changing that for each opposition, I think he's the best in the league at that. And I think the way that Chelsea have dominated their games against the big boys in inverted commas so far uh, since Tuchel has arrived is sort of testament to that. Um, I don't think. Has Guardiola scored against him yet for City? They, they definitely, yes, definitely he scored. Hasn't, hasn't won again. He hasn't got no any points he's, from him. He's played no. Guardiola three times. Tuchel is one or three. Yeah, um, I think Tuchel is a is a is an absolute master plan. That is an absolute master of the game plan, I should say. And as and for an as I said for an Arsenal team led by Arteta, that looks absolutely clueless. That's literally yeah, the recipe <laughs> for disaster. Uh, although maybe Tuchel will look at that. I think I have no idea what Arsenal want to do, and so I can't really plan for it. Um, <laughs> Chelsea are obviously coming off the back of an emphatic three nil win against Palace. They didn't create an absolute sort of glut of chances, um, but they were clinical and moved the ball really well. Um, Lukaku is going to play in some capacity. I don't know whether he's expected to start. So that's going to be fun for Arsenal. Um, I haven't looked what his record is against Arsenal. I should have done that. Um, but tricking a player of Lukaku's quality into this team is just an absolute headache. I mean, again, when we consider how Ben White and co played in the back for Arsenal. Um, yeah. Arsenal are going to struggle. And that we know that. And... That, as I said, that fan base is very vocal and very visceral and very volatile when it needs to be and wants to be. So, him and his players probably missed out on an earful or two from the crowd last season, and they may well get one here. Um, but Reese, you told me also that Chelsea haven't won and haven't won four of the last five against mm-hmm. Arsenal. They've only there's been three losses in a nil nil draw. That's all pre Tuchel, so. Um, not all. Oh, no, was it the nil nil? Was it too? It was too cool. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. No, well, the it was a one nil at the end of last year. Emil Smith Rowe scored, and we just couldn't. That was under too cool. Mm. Um, and Chelsea haven't won against Arsenal since Tammy Abraham, who's now no longer a Chelsea player, scored the winner against them under Frank Lampard. So yeah. it's been a while since being Arsenal. I think you're going to do it this weekend, though. I can't see any reason why Chelsea wouldn't. And so I'm going for a two nil Chelsea win. Uh, Jake, what are you going for? Uh, I'm licking my lips at this one. I um, 
I'm partly tempted to go for a crazy one, you know. Oh. Shall I do it? Shall I go for go a on. crazy one? <laughs> Shall I do it? What I've I got written down. <laughs> what I've got written down is Arsenal nil Chelsea two. But in the time that we've been talking, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to say 4 nil Chelsea, you know. Go on. <laughs> I, Arsenal just looked horrendous. And Chelsea looked quite impressive and clinical, as you said. Chuck Lukaku in there. He, to be fair, I've just looked at his record. He's not got a great record against Arsenal. Two in 15. Um, mm-hmm. 0.1 goals per game. But that's the older Kaku. Mm-hmm. The Chelsea that hasn't beat Arsenal for a while. That's, I think that's going to all change this weekend. I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to say 4-0. Why not? Uh, Reese, what are you going for? <laughs> my pessimism spectrum, I think. yeah it's going to strike again just just because it is a cursed fixture um, in recent times like we we did have Arsenal on toast for many years mainly in the Drogba years um, and they've recently come back into us and you know for some reason even last year when Arsenal were looking shit under Arteta they'd play Chelsea and we'd just give them an easy kind of either 0-0 or 1-0 win and it was it was really frustrating to watch and it, it happened at the end of last year I guess earlier where we were going for the top four and it was all going well and then we played against Arsenal and Arsenal were in shocking form and we think we just got to win this and we were in the top four effective and we couldn't do it we lost 1-0 and it was just really frustrating and I'm hoping that with a full week of preparation because I think if you consider last year's kind of context that was in the midst of a Champions League run to the final and all that. And I think Chelsea's mind was on the Champions League than it was in the Premier League. So I'm hoping that was the reason why we didn't perform last year against them. And I am hoping that the Lukaku factor can add something to this team. Because like you said, Nick, you know, we didn't create that many. We had lots of shots, but there weren't too many clear-cut chances. But when we had them, we did take them. We just needed, you know, the goal from Alonso to wake us up a bit, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm more hopeful than in previous years against Arsenal, but I am gonna still say it's a very gonna be a very cursed nil nil draw. Oh that's my prediction. What a super Sunday. That's gonna be <laughs> uh, oh, is gonna come to not lose, I think is that's gonna be the It needs to tactic. stop doing that because he's not very good at that either. Mm, but um, it, it works against Chelsea, so mm, true. Um and of course finally rounding off the fixtures for the week. Um, on Monday night football, eight o'clock. It's West Ham hosting Leicester. Reese, take us away. Yeah, this this could be quite a fun Monday night football, actually. Um, obviously, two teams who've got lofty aspirations after Leicester just missed out on the the Champions League last year. West Ham were also in the running for it as well, so they'll be looking to kind of settle kind of who is the better of those two teams. Um, I think West Ham looked the more impressive of the two. Um, especially in the second half last week where they scored three goals without reply and came back to win 4-2. And they had really good performances from Antonio, like Jake's earlier, and also from Ben Rama, which we talked about last week, how he he had a goal and assist and he just looked a bit more up to the speed of the Premier League. And I think that is a very good sign for West Ham. So I think they're currently looking a bit more worth kind of the value for money, I suppose, because Leicester, despite the fact they won 1-0, they weren't convincing again. Same as against Man City in the Community Shield. They, they're perfectly solid defensively to a point, but it doesn't look like they've not got as many goals in them this year. Um, and they did also... Amate had a shocker 
where he gave the ball away many times and he let players in and Traore should have scored, Truncao should have scored. Shimati, you always, I always think he's a bit lax in possession. Mm, he always makes so, me feel a bit uneasy. Exactly. So I, I think Leicester are there for the taking. Um, whether West Ham can do that is is the question of the weekend. Um, but quite a fun little stat about West Ham and Leicester. In their last six games, the record is currently 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. Oh. Um, So in 2018, they drew both games. In 2019, Leicester won both games. And in 2020, West Ham both won both so games. So we're going back so, to drawing both games this season. Yeah, so that could be a draw. Or whoever wins the game on Monday is going to win both this season. So this is probably about as evenly matched a fixture as we've had in the league for some time, I think. They're both kind of at the same similar level as each other. So we'll see who gets it. I, I would I would lean towards West Ham, but I've gone for a very entertaining 2-2 draw. Uh, I'm going to go for West Ham to just, uh, just nick this. I'm going for a 2-1 West Ham win. I think Antonio looks scary good. good at the minute. Mm. Um, he has done for a couple of seasons now. Antonio's looked really, really good. Um, it's a shame he's not a bit younger. Otherwise, he could probably sort of play himself into England contention. But um, mm. he's probably that ship has probably sailed. I feel. Um, Jake, final prediction of the round uh, of the of the week: West Ham Leicester scores on the doors. Uh, I agree. I think this is going to be a fun game. I fancy it to be a little bit spicy. Um, Ooh, spicy. Mm. Like you said, Reese, very evenly matched, I guess, in, in kind of aspirations and, and the standard last season. Both won last weekend. West Ham, very free scoring. I'm going to go for a... The home crowd's going to lift it. I think a 3-1 West Ham win. Mm-hmm. Well, there we have it. Um those are our predictions uh, obviously we'll keep the running scores going throughout the entirety of the season I'll see if I can claw back some ground this week let's hope so otherwise I'll have to resign <laughs> as host of this show um, but that brings us to the final section of the show which is all yes. about fantasy football um, which again might be cause for me to resign in the not too distant future <laughs> well, all of us all of us, <laughs> all of us I think yeah. <laughs> none of us did too well in the opening week but Reese, you do want to shout out some people who did rather well yeah um, so this is the Goldmouth Ramble League corner i suppose um and i want to first off thank all of our kind of twitter followers we've had a very good uptake on the league so far we've got 38 teams in there which is very cool so the more the merrier i might might tweet the link out again this week so we can get any more teams want to join it because your points carry over into our league as well um so i want to do shout out the uh the top four the champions league places in our league so far so in fourth place with 89 points was joe gidley's wu-tang wonders um, in third place, yeah, I know. <laughs> in third place is probably the best name of these four. Um, is Lily Truman's ninety-four points for Licky End FC? So well done, <laughs> Lily Truman. Um, in second place, uh, with a hundred points, was Sam Platt's Pl- Splat FC, which is quite good as well. And then a shout out to our week one leader who did tweet as well, which I was very grateful for. Um, Sean Alexander's Turn the Heaton. Um, with 105 points. So he, he had Salah, he had Bruno, he had, you know, Simicas, Alexander-Arnold, Antonio. It must have been a, tri- was there a triple captain, there must be, to get those sort of mm, points. I'm not, I'm not sure if it was. I think it was just, no, I think I Salah think was, was his captain and he had like 30 plus points, but 
you know, Bruno and Bruno and Salah alone got him fifty plus. So he just he had a very very good team. So again, very well done to Sean Alexander. Um, so the top players of the week, um, the best keeper was actually your boy Jake Hugo Lloris, who got ten mm. points. I think keepers might get points for saves as well in uh, yeah, fantasy do. league. Yeah, so that explains. I think the 10 if you do something there. like more than four saves in a game, you get some mm. points or something yeah. like that. So that was a pretty good performance from uh, Hugo Lloris there. In defence, the best player was Marcos Alonso with 15 points. He had a very lovely free kick and a clean sheet as well. Uh, midfielder was obviously Bruno Fernandes with his 20 points. I know someone in the world of Fantasy all did triple captain this week to get a whopping 60 points off him, which is madness. Um, and the best forward was actually, we've talked about a lot today, it was Mikel Antonio with 13 mm. points. That's the only with- thing I can say I did well in fantasy football was... Yeah, have Michael Antonio in my team. Well, <laughs> on on the topic of kind of the players to look at, I've got a few potential pickups you might want to consider adding to your squads before this week's uh, fixtures. So I think Richarlison first off is a good one to go up front. Um, he had eleven points this week, which is a very obviously nice return with a goal and an assist. But he's got a very nice run of games coming up soon. He's got games against Leeds, Brighton, Burnley, Villa, and Norwich in the next. What, five games, so that's quite a favourable nice um, run of fixtures. Um, I think as a cheap forward option, I think Greenwood could be up there with a shout because Cavani is looking, you know, doubtful for being available for a couple of weeks yet. Still, he scored a very nice goal at the weekend, and again, he's got games coming up against Southampton, Wolves, and Newcastle, which could easily see Manu scoring twenty-five goals. Um, and there's also, I want to shout out a very cheap option in Watford's Emmanuel Dennis, who got 12 points at the weekend, and he's got games against Brighton. Spurs is going to be a difficult one, but then he's got Wolves, Norwich, Newcastle, and Leeds after that. So again, favourable matchups coming up for those three players if you want to pick up some cheap strikers, striking options. Um, but I do want to also just pick out someone to potentially avoid um, going forward. I know he's tempting to pick up, um, but Marcus Alonso... He's currently playing in his way into a starting spot for um, Thomas Tuchel, but he likes to rotate his players. And I think Chilwell will be kind of coming back into full fitness and back to con- you know contend for the starting spot on the left-hand side. Um, I think Alonso will probably start on Saturday, on Sunday against Arsenal. But I think over the season, Chilwell will probably win that spot back. So don't be tempted to get Marcus Alonso. Um, yeah, he's going to be a bit of a kind of a flash in the pan this year rather than someone to rely on every single week. Um, but yeah, I, we also, like we said earlier, we all three of us did shit this week. We <laughs> ended up in kind of... We didn't even do shit though. Middle, middle we of got the pack, a, weren't we? We got a decent score in a normal week, but this week just seemed to <laughs> be This week was a high score week. Yeah. We, did, we did finish, you know, in the 20s, all three of us, mm. which is... In our own league, that's pretty embarrassing. Um, I think so maybe we're take just making people feel welcome. Did he? Did any? True. Did any of us have Salah or Bruno? I had Bruno. Salah as a captain, so he saved my week. If I didn't have Salah, I'd have been right at the bottom of the league with with friend of the show Corey Hughes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Shame I think to see that's, him at the bottom in it. Yeah, yeah, that's. Um, I think that's where a lot of people there. Uh, Salah and Bruno are absolute fantasy football darlings. So, like that, I think that's why generally scores were very high this week because they both absolutely smashed it. Obviously, and 
They did. There's so many players who have gone, right, I've got Bruno and Salah in, how can I get a team together around mm. these two? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably why scores were on the high side. Um, good. That is it for episode three. Cool. A lifetime of football podcasts. Um, That's the end of, yeah, episode three of the show. Um, If you, um, I say, follow us on Twitter, gr underscore pod, you'll see uh, that we've still got a competition running up until the end of the month where you can win a Premier League shirt of your choice. If you go to our Twitter page, gr underscore pod, and retweet and uh, follow the account and stuff, everything on there. You can be with a uh, chance to do that. Uh, We'll be posting the poll for our goalkeeper, uh, best 11 on there as well uh, if you have any questions for us do please get in touch with us um, either DM us on Twitter or just tweet us or you can email us is, is it Goldmouth Ramble or Gold? I don't even know what our email address is do you know it let me have a check yeah we should know this shouldn't we but Goldmouth um, Ramble Pod who uses yeah. email Gmail. anymore I think Goldmouthramblepod at gmail.com yeah so if you have any questions drop us an email or do drop us a DM or just tweet us and we will get to them. Or we just have come to our house. All that, yeah, yeah. Knock on the door. Once restrictions are up and running yeah. now, we can do what wait, we wait. want. Wait, England is free for all, mate. We can mm, do what you do want. What want. Uh, good, because um, we have got some questions that we've already received that we'll be addressing in the next episode. So if you have sent one in and we haven't addressed that, don't worry. We have seen it um, and we will be addressing it in the next episode. But all that leaves me to do is say thank you to the two of you. Thanks, Reese. Thank you very much. Very good episode. This Pleasure. one, I enjoyed this one. And thank you, Jake. No problem at all. Happy to be involved. Good. Uh, and thank you to everybody who has listened, and thank you for everybody that has supported us so far. I say we're fairly new uh, into doing this, but we're loving it, and we hope you are as well. Uh, but until next time, uh, we'll see you later. And thanks for listening. Bye bye.